Hey there, and welcome to the Life of a Cheerleading Coach. I'm your host, Marley Sievers. With four years of high school coaching experience, six years of experience as an instructor and choreographer for the National Cheerleaders Association, and over a decade in the cheerleading industry, join me as we navigate through the world of high school coaching together. Here we go. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Life of a Cheerleading Coach. This week, I'm going to be talking about constructive criticism, how to give it, how to receive it, and all of the good stuff in between. So I'd like to start out by saying that the intention for this podcast really is to kind of just express my own personal thoughts and feelings and beliefs on coaching and cheerleading. I will be interviewing more guests on this show However, I want you as my audience to know that it's okay if you disagree with something that I might suggest on here. Like, although I have some expertise on this subject because I've been involved in cheerleading for many years, I've been coaching for many years, I've been on NCA staff for many years, that I have gone through my own experiences and that's what I'm sharing here. I don't believe my word to be law. So how I handle a situation could be different from how you handle it as a coach or how your coach handled it. I'm just simply on here sharing my perspective. With that, I do want to hop right into talking about constructive criticism. Personally, the way that I deal with constructive criticism in general is to be open-minded. If somebody wants to give me some feedback, I'm more than happy to listen to it. In fact, I encourage it. Uh, There have been many times in work scenarios where I've gone up to a supervisor and asked for feedback whether with my summer job or my nine to five, I want to know what it is that I can do to improve in order to fulfill my job role and duties better and be the best I can be in that position. As a coach, I also receive constructive criticism. My main one has been that I am a mean coach. So hearing that I am mean is not something that's new to me. I've heard it from family members. I've heard it from strangers on the internet. I've heard it from my athletes before. I have been told I'm a mean coach. And I'm sure that many other coaches have been told this exact same thing. Personally, when I hear that, I, of course, want to do better. I, of course, want to make sure that I am being considerate of my athletes and of my fellow coaches and making sure that I am giving them the grace that they need and the compassion that they need rather than having that one track mind and thinking that all I am focused on is one thing or competition or whatever it may be. Personally, as a coach too, I know that there's a difference between being mean and having high expectations. Never have I said anything disrespectful or hurtful to my athletes that I would consider to be mean. I do, however, have high expectations for my athletes. And one example of this would be this season. I had an alternate base step in for someone else on the mat and their tumbling position was very, very close to the edge of the mat. When this alternate base asked me 
If she could not throw her tumbling, I told her no. After that, I had a lot of girls on the team saying, so-and-so is crying, they're very scared, they don't want to do this. So I went out to the hall with this athlete and I sat her down and I had a conversation about the reason why I told her no, which was, hey, I'm not trying to be mean. The only reason why I told you no is because I know you're capable. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, this other athlete did that tumbling pass in that spot. I know that this athlete that's stepping in now can perform that tumbling pass. It's all about mindset. So I'm just going to tell her no so she can push herself to get over that hurdle. So when I had this conversation with her, I told her, I know you can do this. I know you're capable and I want you to try it. Like go in there and give it your best. I do expect a lot from my athletes. It's never my intention to be mean to my athletes, especially when I see them cry, it breaks my heart. If I know that something that I did made them cry, I need to fix that right away. And in instances like that, I always approach that person and I try to make amends and I try to have a conversation with them about what it is that I could have said or done that affected them in that way. And more often than not, when somebody's crying on the mat, it's out of pure frustration. One thing that's really changed how I perceive myself as a coach has been the year in between coaching my first high school team and coaching the high school team that I coach now. I spent a whole year coaching middle school cheerleading and it is a totally different ballgame. Completely different. I had to learn so much patience. Not only did I coach this middle school program, but at the time I also worked in an elementary school setting. So that whole year of my life, I had to learn so much patience and give so much grace to my athletes as well as myself. I do also know when it's appropriate to have fun with them. And that's also something that that year in middle school coaching taught me is cheerleading is really about having fun. Yes, we can go in there and want to win. We can go in there and want to succeed and be the best in our division. But really, why do you do it? Isn't it to have a good time? Isn't it to make friends? Isn't it to express yourself in an outlet that you enjoy? And truly it is. So yes, I know when it's okay to just sit back and have a good time with your athletes. So I guess my advice when you are receiving constructive criticism, yes, be open-minded. Yes, sit back, listen, observe. If something of sustenance comes from that feedback, do what you can to improve and take strides towards being better because we all want to improve. We all want to be the best versions of ourselves. We all want to level up. There's no reason why someone should want to sit and be stagnant in whatever role they're in. While you're making steps to improve, know that and give yourself credit for the progress that you've made, how far you've come. Don't take things too personally. Like, don't take it to heart. Let it go and learn from it. Handling constructive criticism is a lesson that sports taught me and something that we've had to teach our athletes not only this past season, but Recently, we've had to talk about this subject again. In the middle of competition season, right before our end of the year district competition, which is our state qualifying competition, we really need to clean up everything, fine tune the details, 
and just make sure we're looking the best that we can look. We had a conversation about handling constructive criticism. As an athlete, it's not always easy to hear that what you're doing is not right, especially if you feel like your teammates or even coaches been coming after you again and again and again. And the best way to handle it and understand it is really to try not to react to what you're being told, but to sit there calmly and just listen. Just listen, because then you can decipher for yourself whether or not it needs to be applied. I was watching a TED talk about the secret to giving great feedback. The speaker, Leanne, talks about how we as humans handle feedback the same, or the way that most people give their feedback isn't actually brain friendly. They fall into one of two categories. The first one being that you give your feedback too indirect and too soft so that The brain doesn't even recognize that feedback is being given or it's just confused. Or on the other side of the spectrum, you're being too direct. When you are too direct, the person who's supposed to be receiving the feedback can be defensive. I'm going to quote her here. She says, there's a part of the brain called the amygdala and it's scanning at all times to figure out whether the message has a social threat attached to it. With that, we'll move forward to defensiveness, we'll move backwards in retreat, and what happens is the feedback giver then starts to dysregulate as well. They add more ums and ahs and justifications. This makes the feedback giver's message unclear, and it makes the feedback giver sound less confident. So there's a fine line between being too indirect and being too direct. And she goes through a formula that great feedback givers have. Great feedback givers begin their feedback by asking a question that is short but important. It would be something like, I have some ideas on how we can improve things. Can I share them with you? This lets the other person who's receiving the feedback know that feedback is about to be given and gives them the option to say yes or no to your yes or no question. While I do think that this is an effective method to giving great feedback, it is challenging when you are a coach to go through this step because when a stunt comes down, you immediately want to go and give that feedback. But when your athletes are getting frustrated or when they're being overwhelmed and bombarded with lots of feedback from everyone, that's when I would then add this step into your feedback routine so that they can take a moment to decide if they want to receive the feedback. The second part of the formula is giving your data point, making sure that you don't use what she calls our blur words, which is something that can mean different things to different people. Instead of saying something like sharpen up, which is very vague in general, you could then instead say, hey, I really need you to hit that last motion in the dance really hard like you're hitting a wall. This helps you be more specific about what you want from that person. I think that the specificity of the message that you're trying to give is utterly important. I have heard that giving great feedback also translates into telling someone what you want from them. And you can literally say, I want you to do this. And this is something that I am trying to work into my coaching, but instead of saying, hey, you didn't hit your arm on eight, I really need you to hit your arm on eight, you can say, hey, so-and-so. I want 
to see you hit that arm on eight. And it just sounds different phrased that way. So it encourages that person to achieve that goal. The third part of the feedback formula is an impact statement. One example of this would be, because you didn't grab her arm on seven, they weren't able to dip on one and it ended up pushing the pyramid back two counts. This gives a sense of purpose and meaning and logic between the points, which is something that the brain craves. The fourth part of the feedback formula is a question. An example of this would be like, what are your thoughts on it? This creates commitment rather than just compliance. It makes the conversation no longer be a monologue, but becomes a joint problem-solving situation. Great feedback givers not only can say these messages well, but they also ask for feedback regularly. There's a few different other methods to giving feedback. One of them would be a positive sandwich. And I've heard that this is a good thing. I've heard that it's a bad thing because being direct and specific ultimately is better. But I, as a coach, I do use a positive sandwich a lot of the times. More often than not, I use it when I'm instructing summer camps. Hey, that was a really stable QP way to get your bases chest together. Let's pop her a little bit higher in the cradle and really good job cleaning at the end. That's an example of a positive feedback sandwich. I had a positive in the beginning, the critique in the middle, and then a positive at the end. I know that often when we're giving feedback, it's hard to throw those things in there, but I do feel like this generation of athletes especially needs a lot more encouragement and recognition for the work that they are doing. And I feel like not always is this given. Another article that I read on how to get better at receiving feedback talks about a few different steps. The first step being starting with thank you. The very first response to give when someone gives you feedback should be a response of gratitude. Don't get defensive. As stated previously, as humans, it's a little hard not to get defensive. That's our main reaction when we hear something that we disagree with, or if it's, again, too direct. But simply saying thank you and showing gratitude towards that feedback makes it as though the feedback itself is a gift that you are grateful for. This article says that while feedback is a gift, it's even more so a risk because when a team member speaks up to offer you their feedback, they're taking a risk on how you're going to respond, which could risk the relationship between the person giving and the person receiving the feedback. The second step would be to restate what you heard. You can say, what I hear you saying is blank. Restating their feedback lets that person know that their opinion matters and it makes it more likely that you'll get more feedback from this person in the future. This also lets them know that you're really listening. So pause, listen to the feedback, say thank you, and restate the feedback. The third step would be to mention what you're changing. Listening to feedback alone doesn't bring about growth. It's only when feedback is used to figure how to make action towards the change that growth actually happens. I feel like I do this not only in receiving feedback from cheer, coaching, but in my personal relationships as well. Whenever I have a disagreement with someone and they tell me, hey, this is something that I feel like you could be better at or do better at. I simply say, okay, I hear you. 
And these are the steps that I'm going to take to do that. Or if I don't know right then what steps I'm going to take to do that, I simply just say, I'll work on it. I'm going to think about ways that I can improve. And if you think of ways that I could do that, please let me know. Step four would be to seek out more feedback. You're growing and changing and improving all the time. And in order to continue to grow and change and improve, you need feedback. So try to develop a habit of seeking out more of it. Not only will you get better at receiving the feedback, but people will also feel more comfortable giving it to you. If you're in a situation where you feel like you've been receiving more critique and feedback than you have praise, I guess my best advice would be to brush it off, let it go, and just make sure you're taking those steps to improve. I had a situation like this happen this season where I felt like I could only do wrong things, like I couldn't do anything right because it felt like every day I was doing something wrong or I needed to improve something. The storm will pass. Eventually it did for me and the praise does come. One thing that you can do to recognize it is every time you get a text message about your character, the work you did, screenshot it and make an album in your photos that says reference or feedback or positive or praise, whatever you need to remind yourself that you have these people that recognize the positive things that you do rather than just hearing the critiques all the time. What I've done is I've done exactly that and made a reference folder in my photos. And every time I get a text message from one of my athletes saying, you guys are the best coaches, or every time I get a text from my family members that say, hey, I really appreciate you. I screenshot it and I put it in that folder so that when I am feeling like, man, I can't do anything right. I just look at those messages and I feel a little bit better. Another resource on this topic is a podcast episode called How to Love Criticism from Work Life with Adam Grant. And he talks about when you receive criticism, you have a support network versus a challenge network. Your support network, when you're receiving that criticism, is like your innermost circle, the person that you're going to go to right away. And basically, they're going to tell you what you want to hear versus what you, you need to hear. What we all need, as he says in this podcast episode, is a challenge network. In your challenge network are people who are pushing you to get better. However, people in your challenge network will only help you if you're ready to listen. So if I get defensive, then I'm obviously not ready to listen to that. But because I want to improve and I want to be the best version of myself, the best coach I can be, the best person I can be, I'm going to try to be open-minded and recognize that what's being said is intended to help me and could potentially be true and I can be better. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope that there were some takeaways for you. For myself personally, the biggest takeaway that I got from the resources that I was using and looked into is that you should always be seeking feedback and you should always be wanting to improve. It's all about having a growth mindset over a fixed mindset. And I feel like I've talked about this in an earlier episode, but growth mindset is constantly wanting to improve and constantly wanting to do better. And a fixed mindset is stagnant and steady and stays where they are. So I personally would rather have a growth mindset. So I'm going to continue to seek feedback 
in ways that I can improve, whether that's with coaching, in life, in relationships, in communication, or even with this podcast. And speaking of improving, if you are an Apple listener and you love the show, please go leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that this podcast can grow too. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Life of a Cheerleading Coach. To be notified when another episode is posted, visit the link in the show notes to sign up for my newsletter. Don't forget to follow the Life of a Cheerleading Coach on Instagram and Facebook, and be sure to click the listener support button on my anchor page. To be featured in the next episode, use the link in the show notes to leave me a voice message. Thanks again for listening and go make a difference.